have a memory verse um, that we've been learning for the month of July, and it should be up there on the screen. It's Ephesians 5, 8. Say this with me. For you were formerly darkness, but now you are light. Walk as children of light. You're light in the Lord. I'm sorry I missed that. Let's do it again. For you were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. All right. Speaking of that, we're working our way through Ephesians very slowly, but we're finally in chapter 5. One of these days, we're going to get we'll be done. And we're continuing on this journey because Paul is talking to the Ephesians about walking and the importance of, uh, of our walk being what we're ta- our talk is. You've got to walk your talk. We can't just talk about being a believer, but our walk should exemplify Christ. There should be something about us that other people will say, that person's following Jesus, I think. Um, that's a good idea. That's a good thing. So I've entitled this message today, Follow the Leader. There was a lady that was caught in a blinding snowstorm. I don't know what color her hair was. But suddenly she remembered what her father had told her, wait for a snowplow and just follow him. So after a little while, she saw a snowplow pass her by, so she got in behind him and she followed him. After about 20 minutes, the snowplow in front of her stopped. A man got out, came back to her window and said, why are you following me? She told him what her father had said. Get behind a snowplow and follow him. And so the man grinned and he says, well, I'm just about done with the Walmart, Walmart parking lot and I'm going to go over to Target now. You want to follow me over there? So, I know that's really an old joke. So, no, I didn't, I didn't tell her, I didn't tell you what color her hair was. I'll let you figure that out on your own. Okay, so today our focus is on who we follow, why we follow, and the evidence of following the right leader. So let's take a look at this text in Ephesians 5, 1 through 20. And today, I'm going to read this to you from the New Living Translation. I don't usually do that, but today I decided I was going to for a reason. So here we go. You ready? Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. Let there be no sexual immorality, impurity, or greed among you. Such sins have no place among God's people. Obscene stories and foolish talk and coarse jokes, these are not for you. Instead, let there be thankfulness to God. You can be sure that no immoral, impure, or greedy person will inherit the kingdom of Christ and of God. For a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. Don't be fooled by those who try to excuse these sins, for the anger of God will fall on all who disobey him. Don't partake in the things that these people do, for once you were full of darkness, but now you have light from the Lord. So live as people of light. For this light within you produces only what is good and right and true. Carefully determine what pleases the Lord. 
Take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, expose them. It is shameful even to talk about the things that ungodly people do in secret. But their evil intentions will be exposed when the light shines on them. For the light makes everything visible. That is why it is said, Awake, O sleeper, rise up from the dead, and Christ will give you light. So, be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the, the, what the Lord wants you to do. And don't be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves, and making music to the Lord in your hearts. Give thanks for everything to God the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word to us, Lord. Thank you, God, for the reminder today of a, of a life that's changed because of the power of Christ in us. And Lord, a life that's changed is the life that changes the world. So Lord, uh, the hope of this country, the hope of our community, the hope of our schools, the hope of our education and our medical field, the hope of our political field is the, op the observance of those who profess to be Christians to actually walk in that light that they profess. So thank you, Father, for your challenge to us today. And thank you, Lord, for the empowerment of the Holy Spirit to be able to do what you ask of us because of who we follow. God, we follow hard after you. My soul thirsts for you, Lord. And help us to be thirsty even more as, we, as these days are becomingly more and more evil. Lord, help us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Ephesus was a center of everything that was ungodly in its day. The center of worship was a temple to the goddess Artemis, or Diana. You remember in, in the book of Acts where men were actually making money by making little statues, silver statues of Diana. And when Paul came in and preached in Ephesus and a church started there, they began to move away from this, and they weren't buying the little silver statues. And so uh, the, the uh, people that were making the, the silversmith were in an uproar and tried to get rid of Paul. That was, ha that, that was all in Ephesus. These were, they were goddess worshipers. Uh, the temple to Artemis was one of those seven wonders of the ancient world. It's interesting to me that uh, Ephesus is no longer in existence. What began to happen is uh, uh, one of the rivers that flowed into the port city began to uh, be so dirty that it just kind of filled up the harbor with junk, with silt. I think God was getting their attention even then. Um, and now it is no more. An earthquake in 276 or something like that AD just finally devastated and destroyed the city. There's a few ruins left that people can go and visit. And I get to thinking about America and I think of when I see all the things that are going on and listen to all the things that are happening, you know, it's like, uh, it's like the filth of America is just piling up and f stopping the flow of the, of the good water. And so our harbors are being flooded with silt, the filth of our country, the filth of our nation, the filth of, of the way that people think, the way that people act, the things that we, the things that we do. I'm amazed that 
that we fuss about people in cages on our border and yet say nothing about the, the babies with their brains sucked out in the dumpsters behind abortion clinics. How is it that we have moved so far away from understanding what's right, and pure, and holy, and righteous, and have, have given ourselves excuses because of greed, because of lust, because of sexual desires? And when I read this text and discover what was going on in Ephesus, uh, life just keeps recycling. But God reaches a place, and he has a passage of Scripture in the Old Testament. I don't recall exactly where that is, but he says, if you, he says to Israel, if you will do the same things that the nations did that you're moving into, I will cause the land to spit you out. Now, that's an amazing passage of Scripture because God doesn't say, the wrath of God is going to come upon you. He's just saying the land itself will not tolerate the filth that you're going to bring in by doing the same things that the ungodly nations have been doing, and that land will spit you out. And as Israel began to do the same things that those nations that they supposedly had conquered did in the promised land, the, the land literally spit them out, and they were dispersed all around the world. And I look at America, and I'm going, we haven't even been around half as long as Ephesus. And look what happened to them. Just food for thought for you, okay? That's a little side note. The neat thing is, is that with all the stuff that was going on, the toleration of sin that was uh, un uh, unimaginable, just uh, how much sin they tolerated, they weren't showing much love, selfishness, lust, greed, just permeated their entire city. Their art was filthy, and their words were coarse. People had evil on their minds. They could only speak evil about other people. I'm glad we don't have anything like that going on today. One philosopher of the day wrote, the Ephesian people are so immoral that they're only fit to be drowned. The city looked like a hopelessly lost case. But God showed up. God showed up. And a group of people shook off the filth and began to walk in, in, in newness, walk in light, understood that the, the real love comes from God through Christ, that his sacrifice on the cross, him who knew no sin became sin on my behalf, they got it. And a handful of people in Ephesus said, hey, yes, I'm going to be a new man. I'm going to be a new creature in Christ, for old things are passing away, and behold, all things have become new in my life. God shows up in places that are so poor, so, so uh, dark, so ungodly, so wicked, God just shows up, and he plants some people right there. And through those people, there begin to be some transformation and a desire to follow God, a desire to follow this one who loved them so much that he was willing to die on a cross, taking their sin. By the way, Jesus didn't just die for you. If you've been in the military, you know that there's a lot of people that die for other people. That's not what makes Jesus unique. Dying for somebody is not a big deal. Jesus dying for me is not the issue. Jesus dying 
for me to take my place on that cross. That's the issue. He who knew no sin became sin for me. That's the issue. Jesus died so that I might have life, and that life would be abundant. When God shows up, he has a way of showing people uh, their worst, but he gives them also their best. You remember, don't you, the, uh, how it happened in your own life? I've put up on the screen a, a, an old song that we used to sing. This is for all of you gray hairs out there. I'm not quite with you yet, but I'm, I'm getting there. But I remember, I remember his little boy singing this song. Actually, I like this song. It's a new name written down in glory. Remember that? And so it goes like this. I was once a sinner, but I came pardoned to receive from my Lord. I was freely, this was freely given, and I found that he's always kept his word. And now, sing it with me. There's a new name written down in glory, and it's mine, oh yes, it's mine. And the white-robed angels sing the story, a sinner has come home. There's a new name, it's written down in glory, and it's mine, oh yes, it's mine. Forgiven, I am bound for heaven, never more to roam. Isn't that a great song? How many of you have never heard that song before? Really? Well, you guys need to get saved today. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> a great, this is a great old hymn. That's what it is. Look it up in Spotify. I can only imagine these new believers in Ephesus hearing about and then responding to the gospel, just like you did. Just like once you were rotten, once you were going the wrong direction, and then Jesus came and stopped you, just kind of got right in your face, so to speak, and transformed your life, turned you around. And the things that you were focusing on before... You didn't need that stuff anymore. I had a bunch of druggy friends that found Jesus. And uh, instead of tracks, they had tracks in their pocket. <laughs> you didn't get that either, so that's fine. <laughs> you get high on Jesus. And they would say, you know, why don't you get high anymore? And I'm high on Jesus. Where's the people today that are high on Christ? Why isn't Jesus enough to get high on? Why do I have to add something else to get high on? <laughs> the apostle is saying, look, this is how you used to be, guys. But if you want to change the city, you want to change the people around you, then something's got to happen that's different than what you were, what they still are. He's challenging them to live in light in a place that's total darkness, total wicked. They are to be children of light in a land that's owned and operated by the prince of darkness. That call hasn't changed. hasn't changed 
in every generation and in every nation and every country. That following Jesus means the same thing. He hasn't changed. Paul encourages the believers to live like God's kids. And the best way to do that is to learn from him and do what he does, to imitate him, to copy what you study, not just studying doctrines, not just studying about what the church believes, not just studying scriptures in a Bible study, but actually doing what you study. That's a challenge, isn't it? That's, that's where the rubber meets the road. I can read all about, I've been to seminars and revival services and preach, and I get ready to preach, and I go, oh man, I don't know, if I, how can I preach that guy? <laughs> I'm not sure I can even do that. That's amazing. But that's the challenge of it. Is that God's word, you look into it like, a, and James says that God's word is like a mirror. So we look into the mirror. How many of you ladies looked into the mirror this morning? How many of you men should have? <laughs> you look into the mirror and, and you see something, you know, that little booger off to the side here from last night. And so you go, hey, that looks pretty nice. I'm leaving that there. I'm going to go to church with it, see if anybody notices. Nah. That's what men did at the retreat, by the way. Or one of those, you know what I mean? You ever seen guys do that? So we don't, we look into that mirror for a reason, because it shows us what's really there, and then we, we fix it. And so God's word is a mirror of what's really here, what's in my soul, what's in my spirit. He doesn't show it to us and expect us to just walk away from it, fix it. And every day you need to get in front of the mirror. If it's the same problem, you keep fixing it. So that you're something different in the world. That's the message. That's what Paul is encouraging them. To say this, to change your behavior or change your name. Remember Alexander the Great. An old story, you probably heard it before, but he had a young man that turned his back and just, just couldn't face the enemy, so he ran. Alexander, in a moment of compassion, called the man forward because he, he was going to kill him. I mean, cowardice in battle, death penalty instantly. He brought him up to, in a moment of compassion, and Alexander the Great said, What's your name, young man? He said, Alexander, sir. Alexander's face changed. And he said, Well, then I suggest to you Either you change your behavior or you change your name. That's the way it is with us. Now I know, so well, didn't we just read that by grace you're saved through faith, not of works? Yeah. No man can boast because of the work that he's doing. But let me share something with you that salvation creates a whole, a whole pile of new works for us. It creates a way of walking and doing and looking at life and a new, uh, new thought life. 
new way that we're new friends sometimes because that's what Christ does in us. There's a transformation. We can't do the same old, same old anymore and feel good about it. Now, that's not a salvation issue, but it's because of salvation that I want to be something in the world that's different. I can't change people. I can't, I can't change people anyway, but I can't be an, a, a witness to the love of Christ if I don't have the love of Christ through me. If I don't have compassion, if I don't have mercy, if I don't have genuine humility, the world sees right through that stuff. And I can talk about how much Jesus loves you, but if I don't show that, I can talk about how kind and compassionate and how the Word of God transforms life, but yet my words come out and they're filled with filth or they're filled with uh, uh, condemnation and just always crabbing and hammering on people. If I talk about the joy of the Lord is my strength, but my face is twisted up and I'm mad at everybody. Well, how does, how does, that, how does that work? There's evidence of, of salvation. We bought into this lie that Jesus just kind of loves me so much I can just do anything I want to and I'm okay because I'm God's kid. No, your life changes because you're God's kid. What child doesn't want to be like his father? You have farmers and your sons want to be just like you. They're out there, they're playing with tractors. Ladies uh, have daughters that are just like you. They're, 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 they're just playing with dolls, learning how to be a, they want to cook with you. They want to be up there beside you making cookies and, and things like that. That's not bad. There's nothing wrong with that. They're just, that's, that's just who they are. They want to, they want to be caretakers because women are wonderful caretakers. Where would you guys be without your wives taking care of you? They tell you that you've got something on the side of your face once in a while. I mean, when you go to the hospital, those, the people that are there, they're nurses. Those are, there's some male nurses, but we, you know what I'm saying? There's just... There, there's just something that God created in women that, that are so compassionate and loving and, and they, 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 empathy and, and all the wonderful words that you can use to describe these wonderful women that just want to lay down their lives for somebody else to, to take care of somebody, take care of babies. I don't want to take care of babies. They're smelly. I want them. I want to give them to the mommy until they get old enough to shoot. <laughs> then I take over. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Why should I follow Jesus? Let's take a look. You know, it, it had to dawn on the disciples at some point in time that he really was the Messiah. That he was really the one. And they didn't get that at first, but they did eventually. You and I have to get to that same place where we understand that Jesus Christ is Lord. It was a Sunday night service, and we had the altar call, and a lady came up, and she'd, we'd known her for a long time, been a part of the church for a long time. She just was always struggling, always stumbling over um, some besetting sins. 
And that night she came, and Lois and I prayed for her. And the Holy Spirit spoke to us and said, ask her to say that Jesus Christ is Lord. And the Holy Spirit said to me, she can't say Jesus is Lord. She just couldn't say it, and she still couldn't. We could not get her to say Jesus Christ is Lord. By the way, in 1 John, it's a test of spirits. One of the tests is they cannot say that Jesus Christ is Lord. So there was a spirit at work in her. And finally, we prayed and broke through that, and she said, Jesus Christ is Lord. And when she did, something transformed in her. Now, it just sounds so corny and so simple, and yet God, the Holy Spirit, puts his finger right on the problem. And the problem, I think, for many people is that they've never come to the place, well, he's the Savior, he died on the cross for me, but he's not the Lord of my life. How dare he tell me what I need to do? And until he's Lord, and somehow or another we've gotten off in this crazy theology that said, well, accepting him as Savior today and Lord later. I don't know about that. All I know is that if you receive Christ and what he did for you, now the transformation is not automatic, I understand that. You still have a long ways to go. But if you start out recognizing that he's Lord, he'll take you all the way. And you keep acknowledging him that he's Lord. When you sin, you say, Jesus, you're the Lord. I am so sorry. Please forgive me of my sins. What's that saying? You're the Lord. I'm wrong. You're right. And something transforms inside of us. The cleansing of all sin comes because we acknowledge that. I'm wrong. You're right. I confess that I've sinned against you, God, and you're my Lord. Something happens inside of us when we do that. All right, so, because, this, why do I follow him? First off, because you are one of God's children. In Romans 8, 15, it says, so you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves again. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba Father, for his spirit joins with our spirit and affirms that we are children of God. That's a pretty amazing thing. Isn't that an incredible honor to be called the child of God? I was witnessing to a, to a man one night, and I, and I told him that, that, that I, was, uh, I was a son of God. Oh, he got hopping mad. He was very religious. <laughs> Face twisted all up, and I thought he was going to, I mean, he made a fist. I thought, fortunately, that's why it says to witness with two or three people along with you. Because <laughs> one of the guys that I had with me is a great, big, strong guy, and he just stood there, and this guy that was going to poke me, I think he just... Got to looking at Mark, and he was going, oh, I'm going to leave him alone. So um, we always went out by at least twos from that point on. You always want to take a bigger guy with you. Anyway, he was hopping mad. I, didn't, I told him, I said, I'm not the son of God, but I am a son of God. And God's people don't get that. When we started Ephesians, I said, you're saints. You're not sinners. God doesn't call you sinners in the Bible. People call you sinners, but you're 
the devil calls you a sinner. You're a saint. You're a child of God. You're sons and daughters of God. That's who you are. If you're going to walk around calling yourself sinners, then you're going to live down like sinners do. And that's the lie. That's what the powers of darkness want you to believe, remember? If I can keep you as a sinner, then you'll never be what God wants you to be. You'll always be down here groveling around, oh God, forgive me, I'm just a lowly sinner. If you sinned, ask God to forgive you. Now be a son and act like it. Do something different. It's an honor to be a child of God. If we're not a child of God, we have no desire to even follow him. When I run across people who profess to be Christians, but they have no desire to follow him. At funerals, sometimes I've asked the family, was there anything in him or was there anything in her, mom or dad or whoever, was there anything in them that you knew that they were a child of God? And I'll tell you what, it's so much fun when they go, yep. And they go through, do, 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 do. My dad was this, he was that, he was this. this. But now, oh man, he was just in love with Jesus. He had, he had music in his, he was making melody in his heart. He sang hymns and songs and spiritual songs, making melody in his heart. He was moving away from, he moved away from a lot of trash in his life. He still made some mistakes, but man, man, he was just so in love with Jesus. He had his Bible, his Bible was all marked up. Here's some passages, pastors, that, that he'd like to have you preach at his, his, and then there's the other guy. Well, well, he was baptized. A baby. So he was a wet sinner then. Because that didn't save anybody. Those are tough. Not my call to put a man in heaven or hell. But your life shows really what's going on inside. What did God do inside of you? And if we're going to live like the rest of the world, that's what he's saying to him. He, he's not going through this and saying, now, God's going to get you if you do this and this and this and this and this. He's just saying, no, that's not who you are anymore. You're not an idolater. You're not, you're not a pervert anymore. You don't have to do that stuff anymore. All things are lawful, but not everything's profitable. Understand what the will of the Lord is for your life and then live in it. As dear children want to please their father. Unfortunately, this is one of the things that just we notice as Christian leaders and school teachers, and if you're in any profession at all working around with people, the enemy has done so good at destroying the foundation of the family so the children don't know who father is or have none. Or have several. Not condemnation now. I'm not saying that. I don't want anybody to get upset. I'm just saying that that's wrecking the fabric of our nation. Children are disrespectful, ungrateful, unholy. And we see it more and more and more all the time. That's because that father figure isn't the dad He produced the baby, but he's not a dad. And the love of a dad is spelled T-I-M-E. What an honor. There's no honor in following a poor example. We've all done that, right? 
Jesus said it like this, the blind lead the blind, they fall into a ditch. You ever, you ever followed poor examples? Yeah, you did before you were saved, right? Are you still following a poor example? Shame on you. You have a perfect example, and his name is Jesus. He's the Messiah. He is the son of the living God. He's the example. See that little shadow of behind the man walking? That shadow. He's picking up his cross, and he's carrying it. May that be embedded into our thoughts, that as we walk, we're carrying a cross. We didn't die on it. He did. We just got to carry it. Okay, because God is my Father, I recognize that He's a giver and a forgiver. In John 3, 16, we know that one so well. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever would believe on Him would not perish but have everlasting life. What a giver. And God still continues to give into your life. I don't know why God gives to me. I wouldn't give to me. Sometimes I'm messing up and I'm going, God, why are you doing this for me? I love you. I'm your father. That is so cool, huh? See, the, God is a father to the fatherless. And I grew up without a father and God became, God became my father. <laughs> wow. That's pretty exciting. That gives me hope for all the fatherless that are in our nation because I'm going, God's going to be their father. I know he can. Because your father is a giver and a forgiver. In Ephesians chapter 4, the one that right before these verses in chapter 5, he says this in Ephesians 4, 31 and 32. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Put off the old. Get rid of that. Get rid of that. And instead of that, see, instead, let me give you something new. See, that's what the father does. He's a giver. Take that off. Smelly clothes, John. Take, take that off. And here, I'll give you some new garments. Put this on. You're going like, to like this. It's clean and fresh. Let all that bitterness go, all that anger and harsh words and slander and all types of evil behavior. But now, be kind to each other. Be kind. Can you be kind? And sometimes I'll say something, my wife will say, now be kind. And I'm glad when she does that because it's a reminder. It's like, oh, man, that wasn't very kind, was it? And sometimes I'm around people that I know that I can irritate because they're stupid. <laughs> so I'll see how we are. And they don't believe like I believe. See? That's how we are. So I'm going to jab them. Just a little jab. Be kind. Was that kind? No. Then I got to go and say, hey, will you forgive me? What I just said to you was not very kind. And they're better than me because they, they say, yes, I'll forgive you. Be kind. Tender-hearted. God, make me tender-hearted. Lord, I don't want to hold grudges against anybody. Forgive it. Let it go. The sign of that is do I keep bringing it up over and over and over again? 
And I understand the trust factor that needs to happen, but let, let it go. Forgive one another. Just as God forgave me. Dang. I'm forgiven so that I can forgive. It's my joy to give you the gift. It's life. It's my joy to forgive you. My joy. You don't owe me anything anymore. <laughs> You're free. I'm not expecting you to pay me back anything that I think that you still owe me. That's what forgiveness is. The debt is paid, stamped, paid in full. There you go. And it's my joy to do that because I can. Because my father said so and because I want to be just like him. I want to be a giver and I want to be a forgiver. Lastly, I follow him because my father has worked for me to do. And I can't do it without him. And boy, is that a fact. <laughs> he points me to action. Loving somebody is action. Love is, is, is not an adjective. It's not a feeling. It's not just a little emotion. It's, a, it's an action. It's a, actually a verb. It, it promotes action. Is that rain or is our time up? Love is action. Religion promotes judgmental activity. That's why I hate religion. God hates religion. Ugh. The people that Jesus was really irritated with those religious, snooty, fanatical people that said, it's got to be our way. You got to belong to us or you're out. I hate that. Love is action. God wants his kids to get up and go to work. There's no place in, in the kingdom for sloppy agape. There's no place in God's kingdom for pew sitters. Now, stay where you are just for a few more minutes. But what I'm saying is that's the extent of my faith in God is that I'm just going to sit in a pew for an hour or like today, three hours. That was a joke. I'm just going to go and sit in the pew, and I'm just going to hear, I'm just going to hear the word. I ain't going to do nothing. There's areas, areas of ministry that I could accomplish, and instead of doing it, I'm going to say, you know, Pastor, what I think, I think somebody ought to. Well, I'm talking to you maybe, huh? Some, somebody ought to be at the Welcome Center. Somebody ought to be out there and greet people. Somebody ought to do this. Somebody ought to do that. And I'm going, through the years, this is what I've learned how to answer that. Well, you know, I think God's talking to you about that. And I usually just shut up right now. And you know what? I never hear another word out of them. <laughs> Somebody ought to, but it ain't going to be me. As we move forward in Calvary to meet the needs of the people in our community, it can't be somebody ought to. But here am I, Lord. Send me. Remember, the father said to two sons. Jesus used this parable. He said, a man had two sons. And he said to the one son, go out in the field and go to work. And the, and the son said, okay, dad, I'm going. But he never went. The other son, he said, I want you to go out in the field and work. 
And the son said, I ain't, I ain't going out there. That's too hard to work for me. But later on, he repented, and he went out and went to work. And then Jesus asked his disciples and those around him that he shared that parable with, now who was the real son? Well, it wasn't the one that said, I'm going and never did. It was the one that said, I don't know if I want to do that or not, but eventually he went. Maybe there's a time in your life right now where it's an eventually I'm ready to go. I hope so. That's a lot of ring. There used to be an old song we sang. It's beginning to rain, rain, rain. Hear the voice of my father. Never heard that either, have you? Well, you guys need to listen to the radio or something. Okay. Second Corinthians this says this. 520 to 21 says, Therefore we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were making an appeal through us. We beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. The call to follow a leader is not something Paul came up with all on his own. He's just saying what Jesus said. Jesus called a group of guys standing on the bank or throwing nets into the water from a boat. And he comes by and they're mending their nets and he says, follow me and I'll make you. Follow me and I'll make you. Fishers of men. Fishermen became fishers of men. Now I told a lady that one time that God wants to make her a fisher of men. She was going, I like that idea. I said, no, no, she's got that. That's not what he meant. It's not what he meant. Then he comes by another guy who's sitting there at the tax collector, and he's a greedy little bugger because that's what tax collectors were. Put more money in their pocket than they were given to Rome. And he comes walking by, and he says to him, his name was Matthew. He went on by from there, and he saw a man called Matthew sitting on a tax collector's booth, and he said, follow me. You know what he did? He got up and followed him. I marvel at passages like that because I'm going, where are those people? We got to try to, well, I got to try to win you. You know, I got to tell you all the benefits. Jesus is going to do this and this for you. Jesus was, follow me. Whoa. Get up and follow him. Left behind the greed. Left it. Followed him. Left his work behind him. Followed him. Then he went to those who have some great wealth, a rich man, you know, a rich young ruler. Matthew 19, Jesus said to him, if you wish to be complete, go and sell your possessions, give to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven. Come, follow me. But when the young man heard this statement, he went away grieving because he owned a lot of stuff. <laughs> Sometimes following Jesus is really difficult because I got too much stuff. Boy, do we have, do we, do we have stuff we made so many trips to Stuff Mart. <laughs> We're building buildings to hold our Stuff Mart stuff that we don't even know what's in there anymore. None of you here are like that. I could clean the house a little too, I know. Yeah. Too much stuff. Then to every one of us, Luke 9:23, Jesus said this as he's passing by them all all of us. He says this, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, 
and follow me. Take up your cross and follow Jesus. That's a snappy little song, isn't it? But you know the good news is God doesn't leave us alone. Following God is just simply our reasonable service. In Romans 12, 1 and 2, it says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world. Watch out. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your space between your ears so that you can prove, listen, so that you can prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Prove it. That's what Paul's saying. You say you're a believer, prove it. You say that you believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins, prove it. Do you say that you're a new creation? Prove it. Do you say that he's transformed your mind? Prove it. Make full proof of it. And how you do that is you present your body continuously to God. Get with him in prayer. There's an old Persian parable of a fable about a lump of clay and as a children's learning tool. And the parable goes like this, that a lump of clay and the kid picked it up and smelled it and it smelled really, really good. It smelled like roses. And so when the kid put the clay down, he looked at the clay and said to the clay, how do you smell so good? And the clay answered back, that's a kid's thing, right? And the clay answered back and said, well, I was just an old lump of clay. But then I lay amongst the roses for so long that I picked up their fragrance. See, I'm just an old block of clay. But there's something about the fragrance. Have you guys, has anybody here ever smelt Jesus? I mean, literally, the, the scent Sometimes I would wake up in the morning and I thought Lois had changed her aftershave. <laughs> her perfume or something. And, I'm, and it's just this, this wonderful fragrance of maybe myrrh, I don't know, frankincense, I don't know. Just, but I would smell that. And I would just sense the presence of Jesus and now, I know I'm weird, but man, that's, that was so cool. It doesn't happen all the time, but sometimes it's just like I wake up and there he is. And I just go, God, I, I love that phrase. I want to smell like that. I want to smell like you. The only way you can smell like him is you got to be with him. That's all I can say. And it's just reasonable service. So the lessons here today are this. First off, I want to tell you that God is able and willing to forgive all sin. You know the things that are listed on there? You can say that that's who I used to be. I used to be that way. I used to have be do I used to. But I'm not there anymore. I'm moving on with my life. I'm moving away from those things that are hindering me. I'm not going to walk stupid anymore. I'm going to walk wisely. 
I look around this room and I see the faces of most some of your personal stories how you've walked away from those things that so easily weighted you down and messed you up so bad and you've walked away from that God bless you that's God doing that in you I congratulate you if you're here today and you've got sin in your life and you say, God, I need your help, I want you to know that he's, he hears that cry right now. <laughs> Anytime you say, oh, God, I want you to forgive me of my sins, cleanse me of all unrighteousness, and I want to be one of your children. He's going, now you're talking. And like the song said, all the heaven's angels are rejoicing over one. That's what it says, you know. One... Angels in heaven rejoiced over one who was lost and is now found. That's what it means to be lost and then found. Lost is stuck in all this old life. Found is, I'm going to walk in new life. And the angels are going, it's party time. Now, I don't know what party time looks like for angels. One of these days, maybe we'll see that when we're there and some dear poor souls here in a church someplace or someplace and some of you are leading him to Jesus or her. And they come to Christ and then all the angels are going, party time. Horn blast. All of heaven comes together. Dan and Jacob's leading worship. Alexandra and Ashley are playing. You're always all going to be there, aren't you? Daryl's playing on the drums. What a day that's going to be, huh? See, that's what happened when you got saved. And, and you have the opportunity to bring other people into that relationship so that those same angels, the white-robed angels, sing this story. A sinner has come home. So I want to pray for you right now. You're here, and you say, I want to be that one. I want to be that one that's transformed my life. I want to be a born-again believer. I want Jesus to forgive me and give me a new life right now without fear. Is that you? Say, aren't you supposed to close your eyes? Nah, you're, that's wimpy. Be a man and woman of God. Stand up. And say, hey, you know what? I'm going to serve Jesus. I like it. God bless you, man. All right, more on to this. God is always faithful. He, he means what he says in his word. He will be faithful even when you're not. And when his word asks us to imitate him, it isn't just for a little while. It means that we keep following him as long as we live. One last story. Lately, I've run across people that have quit. Something happened, the loss of a loved one, some illness, some, something they didn't understand took place. Where's God? Why didn't he do this? Why didn't he do that? I'm not going to serve a God like that. Don't quit now. 
I don't like what's happening. What's that got to do with you? There's a God who is sovereign over everything that's going on. When you understand that, he's your Lord and you're just following him. He just asks you to follow him. He doesn't ask you to make all the decisions or be upset because it didn't work out the way you thought it would. Just follow me. And if you keep following him, you'll follow him all the way into the heaven's thrones, right into the, right into through the gates. But you've got to keep following him. That old song said, I've decided to follow Jesus. The world behind me, the cross before me. I've decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. And as we grow older, we get pains and aches, and we don't try trying to figure out why is this happening. And, and even for some of us with the gray hairs, we can remember some of the things that God used to do back in those days, and we rehearse that and relive that and think, oh, God, why don't you do that again? And, and we hope that he does. There's no reason to quit. Keep going. Keep praying. Keep seeking. Keep knocking. And he'll open the door for you. Don't quit now. You're too close to the end. <laughs> Don't quit now.